The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Talking about immigration today, it's meant to attract people to the country who want to create jobs and also improve our scientific knowledge. We need scientists in the country. But there's also many business people who are still waiting for residence or work permits, and they wait in vain, sometimes for months, even years. We're also supposed to protect those who need it, those asylum seekers and refugees. Yesterday I read an article about a teenage girl who fled to South Africa after her parents were killed in Benin. She was hoping to compete in an international competition at a high school here in South Africa, which she's uh, been part of. But she's unable to get a passport from Home Affairs, and therefore she can't travel to the Netherlands to compete in this competition. All this, while someone like Radovan Kretscher continues to conduct business in the country on supposedly illegal papers. He even continues to manage to, to oppose the extradition to the Czech Republic, where he's supposed to stand trial. So the question we're asking today is how best can South Africa manage immigration and the question around immigration, both to keep the uh, keep out the unwanted and attract the wanted, or in other words, to protect those who need it and those who we need. Uh, I'm going to be joined shortly by uh, the provincial manager here in Gauteng for Home Affairs, but right now on the line I do have Stuart James, who's uh, the director of a consultancy services company. He helps you get your uh, immigration permits and the like. Integrateimmigration.com, that's the website he works for. Stuart James, thanks for joining us. Good morning, how are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, joining me from our Hatfield studio, and uh, of course joining you as well, Stuart, is uh, Bernardo Mariano. He's the regional director for the International Organization for Migration, Southern Africa. Bernardo, thanks for your time this morning. Good morning, thank you. And uh, as I said, we will have someone from Home Affairs in Gauteng to join us on the program. We've had some difficulty uh, getting a hold of Home Affairs on this issue. We wanted someone to speak about the immigration question directly, uh, and it seems as though it's been rather difficult for us to find someone. But uh, Mpo Malloy is going to be joining us, the Acting Provincial uh, Manager for Home Affairs in Gauteng. I suppose it's good to ask the question around Gauteng, because a number of people would be seeking to come into Gauteng, the business hub of the economy, uh, the uh, the richest square mile, of course, uh, which is Santon. So a number of people attracted to this destination. Stuart, I'd like to start with you then, uh, without Home Affairs, of course. Uh, l- let's ask the question, who, who comes to South Africa? And, and tell us why. A uh, great variety of people, actually. We're, we're a very attractive destination. We see everything from retirees, uh, business people, uh, large corporations, international corporations bringing in foreign workers that are needed where we're lacking certain skills. And also we do an awful lot of homecomers. And uh, Bernardo, who would you say also wants to come to South Africa, apart from those uh, you know, wanting to open up businesses? Of course, all the uh, both uh, legal migrants uh, in terms of uh, skilled migrants, but also the same skilled and unskilled migrants, uh, both uh, that come here legally or or, or the, the the ones that come are are in irregular irregularly staying in South Africa, including asylum seekers and refugees. Where, where particularly would they be coming from? Uh, there's a big flux of um, irregular migrants coming from the Horn of Africa, specifically Ethiopia, Somalia. I mean, it's a mixed flow of refugees, asylum seekers, and economic migrants that come to South Africa. So their main destination is South Africa, but they transit through many other countries in Africa on the way down to South Africa. And Stuart, do many of them use your services? Um, the, the ones that are coming in on refugee and asylum seeking, no. Um, they're sort of covered under a different part of the Act, and they, we actually can't cover asylum seekers and, and refugee seekers. 
we get a lot of inquiries, but we are unable to help them. Do you have uh, a lot of business people traveling from Ethiopia and, and Somalia and the Horn of Africa using your services? Increasingly so. Uh, the last couple of years we've seen an awful lot of interest from Africa coming in, which uh, sort of mirrors, if you like, the tourism figures as well. Um, South Africa is becoming very popular in terms of tourism for the rest of Africa. Um, people come, fall in love with the country, see opportunities, and, and yes, we're seeing an increase in the number of business people coming down. And, and what types of businesses, what, what are they bringing to the country? Because we need to create jobs, right? That's, that's the main reason why we look to reforming some of our policies each year. And Lady Pando talked about it earlier, the, the Home Affairs Minister. So what, what types of businesses uh, would be coming to the country? Well, what we see in the immigration regulations is that every business must create uh, at least five permanent jobs for South African citizens or permanent residents. Mm -hmm. So all business holders actually do create jobs. We're seeing a great variety. Um, there was previously and less so now in the tourism sector. Um, we're seeing a lot of IT companies. Um, we've seen everything from, uh, believe it or not, chocolate factories. Um, importers, exporters, so really a great variety, very entrepreneurial types. Well, we do have uh, someone from Home Affairs joining us. Uh, in fact, it's the Director General for the Department of Home Affairs, uh, Mkuseli Apleni. Thank you very much for your time. Good to speak with you again. Uh, good morning uh, to you and the uh, listeners. Thanks so much for joining us once again. We're talking about migration to South Africa, immigration rather, to, to the country, and, and those who we want to attract to the country. Uh, but I, I know you, you don't have much time to spare with us. I, I'd like to take us straight to probably some of the more burning issues around immigration. Those that, uh, like Radovan Kretscher, for example, who continues to conduct business in the country on supposedly illegal papers. Uh, how is he allowed to enter the country? Have we managed to determine exactly how someone like him and, and others who maintain these links in South Africa enter the country? Well, firstly, I think it is important for us, for us to say uh, South Africa are a welcoming country and we really want people to come to South Africa uh, for the purpose of tourism, uh, business, and all that. However, there are individuals who are trying to come and beat the system, but as we catch them up, we deal up with those uh, individuals. As you will know, uh, that Mr. Krisha came with a facial passport uh, to the country, and then at the end of the day, we applied for an asylum seeker. So in South Africa, we are a signatory to the conventions which deals with the people who are seeking for asylum seekers. You cannot, when I declare myself as an asylum seeker, you just don't consider that. You have to follow the process to consider that application. And we have got structures up to the uh, 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 Refugee Appeals Board. So now his case, now is currently sitting at, at the appeals board uh, uh, to deal with the matter. Do you think this amounts to an abuse of our, of, of our human rights policies, our ability to, to welcome those with open arms who are seeking on a genuine grounds for asylum or, or refugee status in the country? Yeah, well, you, you'll recall, as I think you have mentioned that, to say, that's why the minister, uh, Minister Nalete Pando, was saying one of the challenges which we have, which we want to deal with it as, as a country, is to have a policy which really differentiates between economic uh, migrants and as well as asylum seekers, so that at that point you are able that at uh, early stages of that person applying, you are able to determine that this one 
is not about asylum. Because the asylum seeker is someone who is uh, running off persecution, whether it's political, political or not that. Not people who are running away because of crime from their own countries. We cannot allow that. Or if people are coming for economic uh, interest in the country, we need to deal with them differently in that way. Hence, we are in the process of even reviewing our immigration policy in totality. Now, what about this teenage girl? She fled to South Africa. I think she was four years old when she came to South Africa. Her parents were killed in Benin. Uh, she's been at a, at a high school. She's now 16 years old. She's been invited to attend the moot court in the Netherlands. But she's unable to compete in this international competition because she can't get a passport. And when she went to Home Affairs this week, they said, well, we're done with the process for the year. No more passports. Are, are we not here sensitive to uh, others out there? No, no, no. Where, where, where is this thing says? Where is this thing says now we're done with the passport for the year? Well, this is, this is what she said she was told by Home Affairs. Nah, nah, people applying for passport today, you can go to our offices, you'll apply for a passport. How can we stop people to apply for a passport? Home Affairs is one of the departments which work throughout the year, six days a week, and all our services are not stopped. So nobody is not allowed to apply for a passport. Let's come now to the issue if the child does not have proper documents. What we need to do, we need to look at that case in terms of how did that child came to the country? How can we regulate the child? Because for you to get a passport, you must first be in the National Population Register. How do you get to our National Population Register? You go through by registering your birth. So if that child was not born in South Africa, and does not have a birth certificate, surely it can't be in our national population register. Therefore, she cannot apply for a passport. But if now it goes now for delayed registration of birth to understand what happened, and then based on that, we can be able now to deal with that matter. So don't just go and apply for a passport like that. But I want to correct the issue that the stopping of applying of the passport. You can go to the office today, you will apply for your passport. Mm. Well, this this is what Olivia Habonimana says. This is the the Benin national that I was, or rather Burundi national. I don't know where did he get that, but I'm a teacher of home affairs, telling you how our operations are. She this is this is what she says. This is a direct quote from her. She says she was told that at the Department of Home Affairs in Cape Town by an official, he said they were finished with passport applications by foreigners for the rest of of the year. But I'm a teacher of Home Affairs who is responsible for the operations of the department. I am telling you and her that the Department of Home Affairs applies for the passport up to the 24th of December. And again, on the 27th of December, you can go to our offices, you will apply for a passport. It's only on a public holiday where we are closed. So passport and every services of Home Affairs are available seven days a week. I'm glad you cleared that up for us. Uh, 34701, if you'd like to SMS, tweet us or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM. And I'm going to engage with uh, my two other guests who are joining me on the line. We have to take a short break, first of all, 22 minutes after 8. Firmly rooted in communities and shaped by their needs, I aim far beyond my reach and embrace the duty of excellence because it is only when I do my best that I can carry my people with me to the top. 
I stand for equality, integrity, and innovation. I am Tebe Investment Corporation. Tebe Investment Corporation. Building communities. Our bottom line. Catch top billing this Thursday and make sure you're in line to win our 5 million rand My Top Billing Dream Home with Woolworths. Plus a luxury cabriolet worth over 700,000 rand and a 100,000 rand shopping spree. Entries for our 21st birthday grand prize close at midnight on December the 4th. So don't miss this amazing opportunity to win the best of the good life. That's Thursday night at 8.30. Repeat Sunday at 12. The City of Ekorileni Economic Development Department is starting an ongoing youth work readiness program, a public-private partnership designed to help graduates refine their skills, acquire experience, and be employable. We encourage corporates and public organizations to partner with us to employ young graduates and matriculants. The City will take responsibility for the monthly salary paid to these graduates for the 8- to 12-month internship. Companies should contact Program Manager Colin Ramakhale on 011-999-8231. Ekoruleni, a partnership that works. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Talking about whether our immigration policies are effective and how best can South Africa manage immigration. Joining me on the line is Mkuseli um, Apleni, Director General at the Department of Home Affairs. Also joined by Stuart James, who runs a consultancy services company helping you obtain your visas and passports. That's uh, integrateimmigration.com. And Bernardo Mariano, also joining me on the line, uh, Regional Director at uh, the International Organization for Migration Southern Africa. Bernardo, what would you say are some of the difficulties that are experienced by asylum seekers and, and uh, the, the refugees who are coming into the country. What, what's the major challenge for them regarding our immigration policies? I think the major challenge is really the, the, the mix of uh, asylum seekers, refugees and economic migrants that are coming to South Africa. I think, I think that, uh, that in increases the number of, 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 of these groups together. Which, which uh, of course, uh, uh, pose challenges in terms of uh, how fast the asylum process is, 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 is goes through the system. I think that's uh, that's the major challenge in many countries in, in in the Southern Africa region. I experience the the mixed flows, so, so groups that come that are not just refugees, that are not just asylum seekers, that are not just uh, economic migrants, but they all together. So how to distinguish one from the other and then take them through the due process. Of course, the majority of uh, of those uh, these mixed flow are economic migrants, and the question is how to deal with these economic migrants that are coming in large numbers to South Africa. Is is speed probably one of the biggest challenges here? We're just not able to process the numbers quickly enough to determine and, and sift through those who are accessing the country or want to access on legitimate grounds and because of the mixed flow. Exactly, exactly. So, that, that, so that's 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 a big that's a major challenge. Of course, it's 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 the numbers of 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 asylum seekers in South Africa is 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 extremely high. It's almost compared to to the number of asylum seekers in the whole of Europe because of the large numbers of economic migrants that are coming through the system. What what are the numbers? Only from the horn, it's, it's, it is around uh, 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 per year you, you get to, to 20,000. But in South Africa, the asylum seeker system, I think uh, the, the Director General of, uh, of Home Affairs is best positioned to answer what mm. are the numbers that they have registered in the system because it comes through the Home Affairs system. Well, Selina Plenty is uh, joining us live from the Department of Home Affairs. So I'll give you a chance to respond to that. But I also want, uh, Stuart, uh, thank you again for, for joining us. I, I realize we, we did lose you a second there on the line, but uh, welcome back. Uh, for, for 
for those of, uh, of, of those that you deal with that are applying to come into the country, what, what's the biggest challenge? Is it once again the speed of processing those applications, or are there other challenges that are being experienced by uh, those applying to get uh, status in the country? Speed's definitely an issue, um, unfortunately. Um, on the Home Affairs website, you'll, you'll probably see for yourselves that there's a 30-day turnaround time. Um, which is published on there, mm-hmm. and the reality of it is, is unfortunately we have, uh, I think at this stage in the game, about 200 clients uh, applying for temporary residency um, over three months, um, and some of them over six months. Uh, obviously, if you're yeah. trying to set a business up, um, create employment over here, it's very difficult for them to plan uh, when there's no time limit on it. Similar for homecomers as well that are coming back with foreign spouses. Um, we're, we're very involved with Homecoming Revolution, for example, to try and attract skills back into Africa. And one of the issues there is the foreign spouse, the process they've got to go through in order to be able to work, very time-consuming. Uh, it, it sometimes ends up, unfortunately, with job offers being removed. Oh, and what's, definitely one challenge. What's holding us back in, in processing these quickly? Is, is it just that the verification process is very stringent, or uh, are, are there other things that are holding us back here from, from doing this speedily so that we can see the job opportunities, the entrepreneurs coming into the country? I think uh, the immigration regulations themselves are very well written, um, and I think that, um, co- correctly, as was said earlier in this, uh, in this, in this show, is that um, South Africa is very welcoming. There's no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. Um, internally, obviously, there's, there's, um, there's, there's issues that Home Affairs have to face, um, and they've got a very difficult job, make no mistake about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of asylum seekers and refugees, as well as the immigrant population that are coming in looking to invest and set up businesses. And I think one of the issues we get to is that it's not always consistent. For example, people who submit abroad um, are very often treated to a different interpretation of the Act, to the people that submit here in South Africa. Well, I've heard this as well. Some have said uh, it's easier to apply in another country at a, at, at the uh, for, for your home affairs visa or, or other applications for a business visa rather than applying for it here in South Africa. Mkuseli Apleni, what are we doing to speed up the process? Yeah, well, I, I think firstly, uh, uh, let's acknowledge, as I think the, the, the speaker has said, that as, as South Africa, unfortunately or fortunately, we are the highest attractor of the asylum seekers. But we did identify that in that group of asylum seekers, it is not all genuine asylum seekers as the definition of an asylum seeker, are the economic migrants. And in that, I think it's also important, that is more the low-skilled economic migrants because the Immigration Act allows for the critical skills for business and all that. So that is accommodated well. We are able to deal with that. Well, you're supposed to process 50,000 of those scarce skill uh, visas every year. How many do you process and how many have been processed this year alone? Yeah, well, uh, at, at this stage, we are not yet able to reach that uh, uh, level of, of the number uh, as we have to still, uh, in our amendments, are certain things which we are looking at it in order to be able to attract more of those uh, skills. For instance, for now, if now we are looking for a permanent residence in South Africa, we have to uh, finish five years. Therefore, if now we have to compete with other countries, 
if for them, if you have a critical skill, then you are only able to get your permanent residence immediately, then can cause that. So it's something which can, in the amendments, we're looking at to say, how can we change these other processes? For instance, that when we are dealing with that application for a business or a skilled permit, we look for both the spouses. We don't uh, adjudicate for one, and thereafter we look now for the one of the spouse as a relative's permit. Well, that's why it causes the delays. But now the amendment is looking at that. I will look at that application mm-hmm. as one, so that we can be able to deal with it uh, quickly. Mr. Plenty, I would like it if, if you could stay with us for the rest of the show, but I, I know that you did indicate yeah. to my producers that you would like to leave, but I, but there is an interesting discussion here, and I would like it if if you could stay. We do have to go for a short break. I'll, I'll send you back to my producers, and hopefully you can stay with us. It's exactly 8.30. Time now for your news headlines. Good morning. Streets around the Polokwane High Court in Limpopo have been closed to traffic and security is tight ahead of EFF leader Julius Malema's court appearance this morning. Malema will hear today whether the state will continue with charges against him or not. He's facing charges of fraud, racketeering and money laundering relating to a 52 million rand tender awarded by the Limpopo Roads and Transport Department. Meanwhile, members and supporters of the EFF have been burning ANC t-shirts bearing President Jacob Zuma's face at a night vigil in Polokwane. In other news, a 24-year-old man will appear in the Kimberley Magistrates Court this morning after allegedly raping his sister's six-week-old baby. The incident happened in Khalashiwe outside Kimberley in the Northern Cape. The former Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi has vowed to continue in politics despite being expelled from Parliament. The Senate voted to bar him from public office because he has a criminal conviction for tax fraud. And British police have arrested six people over alleged match fixing in English football. I'll be back with a full news update at nine. Traffic on SAFM. Well, Jebbage, uh, highway network's not doing too bad this morning. Certainly the eastern side looks okay. Uh, southern section N12, N1 out of Soweto moving nicely until you get to Randburg. Malabongwe to Ravonia slow. N1 south coming from Baclue to Ravonia is heavy. It's, uh, uh, the problem there is really on the off-ramp to get onto Ravonia Road and turn down towards Santon. And then from Ravonia down to William Nicol, it remains uh, pretty sluggish as well. Uh, some traffic light problems all along the Modafontaine Road at Modafontaine at Lombardy East and at uh, Sandringham High school, so uh, still very much uh, delayed traffic through there. Um, other problems this morning, points have been covering off a lot of the uh, other major junctions that are out. The one that is a little bit exposed is Christian Devet at John Foster, still uh, delays both north and southbound on that section of, uh, of Christian Devet off the west round or coming down from Honeydew. And William Nicol, the queue start really at Grosvenor Crossing this morning, going all the way through to Sandton Drive and Sandton Drive into that Sandton CBD, still a lot of uh, traffic queues there. R55, it'll even know Bosch has uh, no traffic lights, so expect and delays. A long queue of truck traffic which uh, motorists are likely to get caught up in heading into Peter Maritzburg, uh, just south of Sadara. So if you're coming in from Howick, long, long line of, uh, of truck traffic down towards Town Hill. So uh, just drive carefully and expect some delays. Bayhead Road fairly heavily congested into the uh, container terminal and the M4 the roadworks again causing delays from Sabaya as you come down towards the Umschlange area. Uh, Cape Town Somerset West very heavy on the N2 outbound. About 20 minutes to get through from Somerset Mall going through towards 
Victoria Street and some unusual delays out of Cape Town on the N1. Roadworks at Plattercliffe Road this time of morning, uh, queuing traffic from Monte Vista as you go through towards the Belleville side and the N1 inbound from Sable Road over the elevated freeway still absolutely jam-packed until you get to the waterfront area. Rob Byrne, AM Live, Traffic Watch. And it's uh, approaching 25 minutes to 9. Uh, we're going to have morning talk with Rowena Bird coming up at 9 o'clock. Rowena, what do you have for us? Hello, Darshan. Thank you very much. Here's what's coming up on morning talk today. We're going to focus on the ideological, ideological policies of the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa. And uh, in our small business slot, we take a, a look at how to build a culture of entrepreneurs in this country as we fight this entitlement uh, mentality. And the SABC has embarked on a nationwide campaign which is aimed at giving ordinary members of the public uh, an opportunity to have their say on what they want to see and hear on SABC channels. We'll talk about that drive and uh, put some questions to the general manager for editorial policy at the SABC. Then finally we'll find out more about a debilitating condition called endometriosis and how it affects the quality of life of the women who have this condition. And that completes the show for today. Thank you Darshan. Thanks so much, Rowena. Joining me on the line today to talk about immigration, how best can we manage it, and are our policies effective? I have Stuart James, the director of the consultancy services company IntegrateImmigration.com, Bernardo Mariano, the regional director of International Organization for Migration Southern Africa, and he has decided to stay with us. Uh, Umkuselia Pleni, director general at the Department of Home Affairs. Thank you once again for, for remaining with us for a couple more minutes. Yeah, no, thanks very much. I, I'd like to defer to my guests here to see if there's any remaining questions that they have because I, I know you do have to rush off. So, Stuart and Bernardo, in, in that order, do, do you have a question that you'd like to put directly to Home Affairs? Um, there's two quick ones, if I may. Sure. Uh, number one is we, we're operating at the moment um, the track and trace system. Uh, which is not working, um, and basically applicants, um, Home Affairs set up a central call centre just to give you some background mm, to help mm. applicants, which was great. Um, unfortunately, they need the reference number to be able to ring it, and the reference numbers are not coming out at this particular moment in time. Um, so unfortunately, it means we're having to physically go in and queue, or so are the applicants, which is obviously causing backlogs in the, in the regional offices and the, and the missions abroad in order to get the reference number. This is exasperated by point two, which is that we're, we're operating under a system of what we refer to as 555, which is we're allowed five inquiries um, uh, for sort of submissions and collections, etc. per day. So we can literally only go in and do this 555 once per day. So it's making it extremely difficult to give feedback. And Bernardo, do you have a question? I'm not sure if uh, but we do have Bernardo and I, Hatfield Studio. We'll try to come back to him. Uh, but I do know about this track and trace system. It is one of the things that we think, first of all, we need to applaud the Department of Home Affairs for having a phone number that one can dial if they want to track and trace uh, their visas and, and passports and how quickly they are processing the applications. But without a reference number, it makes it very difficult. Mr. Plenty, how are you dealing with this? No, the, the reference number which uh, we, the system does, we are using that passport number of the applicant as a reference number as well, so that things, they, they do not get lost. Right now we are always linked that application with that individual because your passport number, for you to apply for any of mm. the permits, you must have a passport. 
So if I'm using the passport number, that's what is helping us. But I think it's important to say, uh, initially, we recall that this permitting regime was decentralized to all the offices uh, across the country, which was giving us a lot of problems around the issues of corruption and fraud. And then yeah, we started to centralize the adjudication, not the receiving of the application. And then then that yeah, we introduced the track and trace. So we are still yeah, building that, that, that track and trace uh, in order for us to be able to utilize it so that we can be able to service our clients uh, uh, better. So that, that, that's what we are looking at. And limiting queries to just five a day? Stuart's saying it's a difficulty here. For what? Uh, in terms of limiting inquiries to five per day, he says it's a challenge. No, no, we can't limit uh, inquiries. In fact, the way we must limit inquiries is to service the people. That's all what uh, we want to limit. We can't limit on the basis that you cannot call us and ask. Because if we didn't service you, you must ask us, where is my application? But the only way we want to eliminate inquiries is for us to have a system which is efficient so that now I can only get about five inquiries a day because the rest of the people must be serviced within our time frames. As a department, we put standards and say, for a temporal residence permit, it takes so many weeks. Uh, for a permanent residence, it takes so many uh, months. So that at mm. the end of the day, we can be measuring how are we doing with uh, those things so that the more we've got less inquiries is when now uh, we can judge as a department that we're doing something better. But we can't uh, uh, do it on the basis that only five people must call now. Hence, we've got also a call center in addition so that now people can be able to call us on that. But they were still in the process of even uh, uh, looking at how we can uh, uh, change that call center because currently our call center is more like a messenger type because they don't they are not linking with the systems but we are working as a department through our IT modernization to come up with what we call a contact center so that when a client calls the person who is servicing must be able to go through our system and check where that application is, what is not available, and all that. Is this this going to bring us closer to the 30-day turnaround time? Uh, well, uh, as we, we indicated that we had a backlog uh, uh, in our temporary residence permits, which we cleared, and then now we're working on the permanent residence uh, backlog, which uh, our target is that by December, uh, which is uh, 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 next month, uh, we're we clearing that backlog. Now we're left with something like 3,000 uh, on, 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 on the permanent residence, and thereafter we'll be able now to work. And there are still other innovative ways uh, which we are thinking about. Was if you go to other countries, uh, they've got companies like uh, they, uh, which they collect the applications on, on, on their behalf and then process it mm-hmm. now to, 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 the, to, to the department. So it's something which we're looking at as a department to explore uh, that can we also look at something like that. Actually, in other countries abroad, we've already implemented a company called VFS who's collecting those uh, applications on our behalf and process. But we want to look at what other ways we can do in South Africa to improve the service. Mr. Plenty, 
if if you'll oblige us, there's just one caller who's uh, who's called in and he says he has an urgent question for you. Okay. If I could ask you to stay on the line, Omar in Cape Town, be very brief if I can ask you to do so. Yeah, yeah, please. I got a quick question to the honourable. I have been in South Africa for the last 20 years, almost, mm-hmm. and I've been studying three different universities, and I employ more than 20 to 30 South African citizen people, and I still I run off my citizenship, and I'm a bit worried, and in 20 years, no citizenship, employing a lot of people, and I'm losing a lot of trade with the European Union, and I would like to ask if uh, Honorable can give me an appointment to see wherever he is, so then I can present my question to him, please. Okay, Omar, stay on the line. Um, DG, do you have any questions for him, or, or would you be able to answer this question? Yeah. No, uh, it's fine, but uh, our numbers uh, are in the offices. This number which we are using now, my 082449-7535, it is in our offices. Uh, when clients uh, uh, want to be helped for whatever, then they call us in the number, they send us the SMSs, and then we follow okay. it up. Can, can you give so us the number one more time, 082449-7535? Three five. And this is a number to to call you directly and, and to, to Yes, and you. then they, they leave us a SMS and then we'll be able to follow that thing up. But again, for any citizenship there is a process. It is clear what one must do. Director General um, Koselia Pleni, thank you very much uh, for obliging us and, and for staying on the line a little bit longer. I know that uh, you didn't want to stay on for the for the whole show, but uh, essentially we've kept you on for two-thirds of it. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Koselia Pleni, Director General at the Department of Home Affairs. And uh, I will repeat that number at the end of the program. So for listeners like Omar and others uh, who have questions directly related to uh, their passports or visa applications, uh, you can get a hold of that uh, number and, of course, SMS directly to find out exactly what's happened and where it is in the process at this stage. Let's talk a little bit about the positive effects of, of migration. I think we, we live in a country where uh, xenophobia has been much talked about. We've talked about the violence against Somalian shopkeepers, Ethiopians who run shops in, in our smaller communities. And, uh, and Bernardo, perhaps you, you know, you're best to talk about this. What, what are the positive effects of migration? Or is it just a one-sided thing of, of economic migrants coming to the country, taking jobs, not having enough skills, and depending on the economy of South Africa to support them, as, as those who would you know, monger, who, be the hate mongers out there would, would like us to believe? I think there there are very positive aspects on my, of migration. Of course, I mean I like the, to use the term the, the former deputy minister of Home Affairs, Honourable um, um, Gigaba, say who say that it's not a xenophobia, it's Afrophobia that mm. South Africa has. But the, all to say that um, uh, you know when you look at the remittances that um, uh, the, the intra-Africa remittances, it ranges around 5.7 billion dollars. Okay, in South Africa, it, 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 it receives 1.1 billion dollars a year for remittances. Of course, a lot, a lot of, um, of, of, of migrants in South Africa send remittances to the neighboring countries. But all to say that to ripe the benefits of migration, both countries have, uh, have to apply frameworks that allow those migrants to be somehow in a, in a legal system that would allow them, first of all, to pay taxes, to contribute to development and by, 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 by creating employment, but also, also, also be part of the community. Because at, at, the, at, the, at the end of this, 
at the bottom line, what you want when you, when, you, when you receive a migrant is that, first of all, the migrant to respect the laws of the country, to, to, to embrace the culture of the country, to respect the, 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 the customary uh, uh, principles that the country has, and, 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 and which we, in one word we call it integration. So integrating the migrants, it's, a key, um, um, it's, it's key to make sure that the contribution for, of that migrant is positive. Otherwise, then it, it migrant can easily be 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 recruited by by of course those who who, who are, are are doing illegal illegal trade or, or other other type of well, here's, illegal work. Well, here's an, an SMS from Liz saying, "Well, they're not making a positive contribution." She says, "After 1994, people flooded into this country, taking opportunities which should have gone to our own citizens. Where are the positive effects here?" You, you have to look at, uh, first of all, a, a country is to accept that it's a country of immigrants. Immigrant. If you take all migrants from Johannesburg, you will have a, a downfall in, a, in, 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 in terms of, in terms of, of, of the growth of, 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 of the economy. It's, there, is a, there is a difference between perception and reality. There was a perception that if, if the Mozambicans would, if, would, not, would come to South Africa without a visa, South Africa would suffer. Guess what? The, the district of, of Mpumalanga has, has, so, has seen a quite exponential growth thanks to the Mozambicans mm-hmm. that come and buy services in, in, in Pumalanga region. So, so and we have to distinguish and separate the, the irregular migrants that fall into the networks of uh, the smugglers, uh, smugglers or, 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 or law-breaking uh, entities and those who actually are, are creating a positive contribution. I am a migrant. So I, I, I believe I create a positive uh, contribution to, the, to, to, the, to this country. And we welcome you here, of course. Uh, separating the myths from the facts, I think, is, is what we need to do. Uh, Stuart James, I've got an SMS for you as well. Uh, JJ writes in saying the immigration policies in South Africa favor Western refugees because they're perceived as investors or tourists, and those from developing countries are treated as aliens and illegals. They're arrested deported or even killed, says uh, JJ. Stuart, is, is that true? Are, are the immigration policies more in favor of, of those that you assist, the business people wanting to come here and create those five permanent jobs, as you say? There's, there's no differenti- differentiating factors in, in the Act at all. Um, I, I think the important thing here is to differentiate between um, somebody who's a refugee or asylum seeker for, for very good reasons and, and somebody who's coming in with financial wealth behind them, business plans, experience, etc. Um, the, the two are dealt with separately. They're dealt with, with by separate sort of departments within Home Affairs, if you like. But absolutely, in my experience, um, we've seen no difference between a businessman coming from, say, Nigeria and a businessman coming from Germany. So, Mr. Mariano, where did you come from and, and how did you, you know, why did you come to South Africa? I mean, I've been a migrant since 20 years ago when I left Mozambique in 1994. So I worked in many countries, and I believe, and I, and I helped South Africans growth in terms of professional career, and I I work with a lot of South Africans in in my in my organization. So, so I and and if we if we if we go deep down and you look at the, the where everybody comes from, I mean, we will see that we mm. are one way or the other uh, uh, either migrants or result of a migration. Well, I guess we're all from the same place. If we listen to the paleoanthropologists, they'll tell us where we all came from, uh, you know, perhaps the cradle of mankind. So really, who are we fighting against except for ourselves? 
indeed and 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 and, and as i said it, it it is how to create f- frameworks and policies that really would uh, would uh, transform the na- the large numbers of irregular migrants in south africa either to regularize we 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 did the ca- we did work with the home affairs with the case of zimbabwean uh, uh, irregular migrants that to, to regularize them just just to make sure that they create uh, they, they have a positive contribution to to the development of this country well let's talk more about that and uh, we'll do so after the break what sort of policies should we be implementing what sort of reforms should we be putting into place in our, in our policies now lady pando the minister of home affairs has talked about sweeping changes to our immigration policies because it's needed we need to attract more businessmen, more scientists to the country to create that that knowledge wealth in the country, especially to deal with the brain drain. Uh, many South Africans who left the country for uh, what they perceived to be greener pastures, perhaps not so green uh, if they considered Australia during certain times, but uh, let's talk about those policies, what needs to be changed and, and exactly how do we change them. We'll talk about that with our two guests uh, joining me on the line, uh, Stuart James uh, from Consultancy Services Company, Integrate Immigration, and Bernardo Mariano joining me from our Hatfield studio uh, at the International Organization for Migration in South Af- Southern Africa. It's 10 to 9. Stay tuned. We don't know what you'll do to get better rewards. We don't know if you'll lie about your weight, how much you smoke, or tell someone every time you visit the gynecologist. We just don't know that. But we do know that you shouldn't have to constantly reach for a certain status just to be rewarded. That's why Liberty's Own Your Life Rewards gives everyone the same discounts on cars, flights, movie tickets, gym membership and more. No, we don't know what you'll do to get better rewards. But we do know that there's no reward that's worth a lady having to divulge her weight. To give your lifestyle the Liberty Advantage, visit liberty.co.za or speak to your advisor. Ask her. She'll know. Liberty, the advantage of knowing. Liberty is an authorized financial services provider. Decencies apply. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Mr. James, looking at some of the websites out there that offer similar services to your company, they, they label South Africa's immigration laws and policies as rather tough and complicated, and the services like yours are needed in order to navigate those policies. Uh, would you agree, and, and how would you like us to change those policies? I think ultimately um, people always make a choice. The, the immigration rules uh, are not that complicated if one works with them on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but the, the inconsistent sometimes application of those rules can make it very complicated for foreigners. Um, some people choose to do it themselves. Some people obviously choose to use a, a company such as ourselves because um, it can be very time-consuming as, as well as a little bit daunting. In terms of sort of changes, if you like, you mentioned earlier one which is very close to our hearts, which is homecomers. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the biggest challenges that we've, we've got there, which I alluded to earlier, is that Although the, the foreign partner can come into South Africa, the reality is in order to work, set up a business, or even, even study, is we've then got to go for a further endorsement application. Now, this, this can take sometimes months. So it's, we're, we're almost putting an obstacle in the way of the South African abroad, who's naturally you know, entered into a relationship with a foreigner, married, children, etc. And it's almost an obstacle in their way to get back into the country and bring those skills back that we, we very much need. Is it a costly process? Um, in comparison to other countries, absolutely not. Um, if you're looking at the Australias, the Canadas, and the New Zealands, they're as much as 300% more. So how, how would you like to see the policies and the laws change to, to make this easier? 
there's there's three there's three very obvious ones. One would be the the home comers would probably be top of our list, which would be to um, make it a lot easier process for home comers to come home. The second one, um, we do quite a lot of international foreign companies that set up in South Africa, and um, although the business registration side is is very good, very quick, very very efficient, probably one of the easiest in the world. What they what they struggle to do is get a corporate permit, which is to bring a number of foreigners in. Now, obviously, you've got to balance that with creating job opportunities locally. But if we disencourage these foreign companies, they'll simply offer the services from abroad. So we lose out again. And I think the third one we've got is we, we have a business permit class, which attracts money and it attracts um, people creating job opportunities for South Africans. Uh, again, the application of the rules is not always consistent in terms of the minimum investment. Um, the process can be extremely long, and some of these entrepreneurs simply will not wait. They'll go somewhere else. We compete in a global marketplace for skills and for, for money. And South Africa needs to make sure we're as attractive and the process is as efficient as we possibly can be. Mr. Mariano, what policies would you like to change? I think it's, it, it requires, uh, of course, a, a wider consultative process to really look into, into different perspectives. But, uh, for instance, if I take... Um, the the the, uh, the skilled migrants right or or invest investors uh, i think south africa of course needs to 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 really put more emphasis and be more proactive uh, to 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 reach the targets that they've set for themselves uh, uh, you mentioned the 50000 number for instance mm. that's that's uh, that's that's one i think uh, area that because uh, being passive will certainly never allow the country to reach such a target well and the dg admits that they're not able to reach that target yeah so i think that the proactivity is in terms of uh, attracting it it's it one but but uh, in, when I, creating when i say creating mechanisms for regular migrants i mean i've i've seen for instance in switzerland yes switzerland's first world country mm. where how can you create a, a mechanism where regular migrants that pay taxes uh, that they, they, there is a mechanism for them to pay taxes or do not commit crime and whatnot gain some sort of points that would allow them their consideration for regularization of their situation be be, be considered in a, more, in a more positive framework that would would, would certainly bring uh, um, the, the the level of 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 regular migrants out of the system into the system and 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 and, and allow a bit more so a bit more tracking and control but also and, and see, 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 see where where you can you have migrants that are irregular but are contributing, and the ones that are, are not irregular and, and committing crime can be can 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 be prosecuted. So I think that's so. I mean, I mean, I just gave you two examples, but there's a lot a lot more that can be done to really ripe extract the benefits, but also mitigating the risks, of course. And, and I, I suppose the the knock-on benefit of this is. Uh, we'd have a reduction in xenophobia or Afrophobia, as you call it, because now the argument that that foreigners or, or economic migrants coming into the country not contributing to the economy of the country would would be a moot point. Indeed, and 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 and, and, and regarding em employment, I think there is the, also this need that uh, the migrants are coming and taking jobs. And every country I live, and I can tell you, I live in more than ten countries. There are jobs that are very attractive to migrants and less attractive to local population. I mean, look at the farm and look at the temporary nature of, 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 of a work in the farm where they, their workforce increases from 500 during normal season to 3,000 in a peaking season, which lasts three to four months. 
So that type of job is normally attractive to the migrants that are close to the border or where that farm is located. So what framework we can have in place to make sure that these they, that those migrants, they can come during that picking season, work, work those three, four months, and then go back. South Africans also, of course, can, can do that. But normally, that, those type of jobs are not very attractive to local population. For somebody live, coming from Cape Town to go to Mpumalanga, to, to Musina, for instance, and work in the farm for four months, is not very attractive to, to South Africans. Well, here particularly, you're talking about low-skilled jobs. But what about those foreigners coming in with, with scarce skills, as you talk about them, competing in the, in the labor market with those other South Africans who, who may not have those scarce skills? I think in South Africa, for instance, if you look at the health sector, I mean, South Africa has a requirement of of, of more uh, doctors. Uh, In most African countries, they have that. But when I was just in Mauritius last week, and Mauritius is producing more doctors than what they need. And, and, and guess with whom they are discussing? They are discussing with countries in the West Africa to send those doctors to, to, to mm. work in West Africa. I think we, we need, of course, we need to, to make sure that, for me, if, if a South African uh, is able to work in South Africa or in the region, that's a net, I mean, a net gain for the region. If that South African works in Australia or in, in Europe, that's a net loss for the Southern Africa region. So we need to also look at, at what can we preserve in the region, uh, in, in how can we attract the skills in the region to, be, to, re- to stay in the region. I'm not saying, we, we talk about brain drain, but brain drain, we need to look from the perspective of when they go, what do they bring to the country? Because some, some of the skills that the, the region loses uh, and, and gains, I mean, they also create positive, um, uh, uh, positive contributions like remittances, right? So, so we need to also look from that perspective. But... Uh, in terms of competition, I can. I mean, in skills labor in Southern Africa is in high demand. Bernardo Mariana, point well made. Thanks very much for joining us, Regional Director at the International Organization for Migration in Southern Africa. Sir James, thanks for your time as well. The Director of uh, Consultancy Services Company, IntegrateImmigration.com. It's been a great pleasure to speak to both of you and uh, appreciate uh, the time of Mkuseli Apleni, the uh, Director General of Home Affairs, who joined us today as well. He gave out a contact number. That number again, 082 7535 082-449-7535. From all of us here at AM Live and the Forum at 8, have a great day. Bye-bye.